Welcome back to Can You Believe This? The weekly podcast that brings you humorous interviews with fictional but fascinating people while exploring all manner of topics. Sit back and enjoy. And as always, please leave your feedback along with any great ideas of your own on my Facebook page at facebook.ca forward slash podcast 1955. You can also send me your emails at comments at canyoubelievethis.ca. In our first interview, we'll take a look at the science behind preserving our bodies. There is a debate raging across the nation these days as those who seek to cheat death are deciding whether to get frozen or pickled. And with that, we welcome to the show today Dr. Bill Wortham of the Pickle Me Please Corporation. Good day, Dr. Wortham. Thank you, Peter. Now, of course, many people are interested in preserving their bodies so that they can be given another opportunity for a life in the future. But choosing between freezing and pickling is simple once you know the facts. Well, doctor, perhaps you could provide our listeners some information to help them make up their minds. Peter, I'd start by telling you that pickling has been around for over 4,000 years. Over time, it has been perfected and used by everyday people all over the world. I'm sure many listening in today are pickling pros. There is a lot of comfort in that. Of course, we've all heard about freezing or cryogenics, and many are looking at that option. It's out there, of course, if you can imagine yourself as a popsicle. Think about what meat looks like after it's been freezer burned. Pickling has been perfected over thousands of years, but freezing is something very new and unproven. And common sense and experience tells you that pickling works. What does pickling cost? That's a great point, Peter. The jar, including the seal and closure, costs about $500 with annual fees of $150. Freezing will set you back tens of thousands of dollars, and if there is a power failure, the chance of living another day vanishes as fast as ice cream on a hot summer day. When you are pickled, your body is sealed tight, vacuum-packed for freshness. For a small fee, we will add the fragrance of your choice. What will that do? When that seal is finally broken, you can smell as fresh as a day on the beach. We have many others, including that new car smell. You decide. We also offer visiting hours. Book ahead and spend some time with your Uncle Joe or Cousin Betty. When you're frozen, you are in a container with folks you haven't even met, tucked away in a steel tank, out of sight from your loved ones. This has been a fascinating chat, Dr. Wortham, and I'm sure very helpful to our listeners as well. But don't try this at home. May I also say that we are very proud of our motto, you deserve to be preserved. Next, we'll explore a new concept in urban green living. Can You Believe This is very interested in the environment and exploring ways in which we can help Mother Earth along. We thought we would bring to the show a real innovator in the field of both waste management and green building engineering. Welcome to the show, Brian Douglas. Thanks, Peter. Brian, I think it's safe to say that you are a pioneer in the emerging field of green building design. Kind of you to say so. In fact, my team has just secured permission to build a 200-story condominium in Portland, the largest of its kind in the world, and we break ground next year. We call it the Water Tower, the world's first fully self-sustainable high-rise building. That's a remarkable claim, Brian. How does it work? The building never stops working. It produces its own electricity, gathers potable water, houses the world's largest botanical facility, and a fish farming aquarium. 
Some of the world's foremost designs have been built into the structure. Let's start with water, Brian. How do the residents manage without municipal sewer and water lines? It's called the water tower for a reason, Peter. The top of the building is shaped like a giant funnel extending 100 feet in every direction. We calculate that enough rainwater can be stored in the top 10 floors to take care of our needs. A resident only has to open a tap and water will flow from the holding tank to their unit. Of course, there will be some delay in providing service to the lower floors. On a more delicate subject, how do the toilets work? We don't waste water there, Peter. All suites are fitted with compostable toilets. Residents empty those every week and send them down the compost chute. The waste fertilizes the botanical garden. Fresh fruit and vegetables are grown, harvested, and sold to residents at a discount through our in-house grocery. The building must consume a great deal of electricity. The water tower produces most of its own energy through the turbine system built into the garbage chute. Instead of water powering the turbines, that job is done by falling garbage dropped from the top 150 floors. At 10 units per floor, that's 1,500 residents tossing out garbage bags hundreds of feet down to the ground. Each resident must throw out a 15-pound bag every day. What about any shortfall in power? Got that covered, Peter. All residents have to spend a minimum of 30 minutes in one of our gyms each day. All equipment is linked to generators in the basement, and any excess power is stored in banks of lithium batteries. We review everyone's output yearly and bring up the results in the annual general meeting. Condo fees are adjusted depending upon the amount of electricity produced. What about parking, Brian? I imagine you have something ingenious planned for that as well? I would like to say that we do, Peter, but we ran into a lot of resistance from buyers. It seems that most people wanted to keep their gasoline-powered cars. So as a convenience, we are building a gas station for tenants. A great place to buy soft drinks, cigarettes, and lottery tickets. All the best, Brian. The project sounds like it will be a great success. This concludes today's show. If you liked it, tell everyone you know. Come back next week for some more great interviews.